Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Greetings, my friends. Welcome. Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast episode. Is it, come on, is it 39? Am I right, guys? Is this episode 39? I think Yes, it is. It is 39. Holy cow. Where does the time go? That's been fun. Glad you're with us. We think we have another entertaining episode for you today. I am Bob. I'm here with my friends, Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With Allie. Hi, friends. With Jack. Hi. With John. How you doing? And with Alicia. Hello. Yeah, guys, we're missing one tonight. Miss Lexi ran too hard at the peach tree, I think, and she is. No, I think Lexi's fine. She just has something else going on tonight, so. She's not with us. Well, you know, tonight we've got the second part of the Jeff Galloway interview. Jeff was such a champion to hang in with us the way that he did. We cannot express our gratitude enough for that. And we'll get to that shortly. We know you're looking forward to it. Uh, First, a quick alibi on my part. You know, I listened to the episodes, even though I kind of know what's coming up in most cases. And I'll always catch something. I'm, I'm very critical especially of myself. I want listeners to know that I recognize that the letter O is a vowel and not a consonant. Says I was who? Talking about, yeah, I was talking about the visa loop run that our friend Laura talked about, and I made the comment, yeah, she says that double consonant O is hard to pronounce. No, Bob, no. no. It's a double vowel sound that's hard to pronounce. So, okay, we've straightened that up. Hey, I want to talk about the training plan as especially for whatever we got going on Marathon Weekend. Uh, Taking a look at it this week, the week that this episode downloads, we have our typical two weekly runs, and the long run this weekend is four miles. Not terribly long. Um, Those numbers are going to creep up pretty fast on us. Gang, how are we doing on training? I'll go ahead and update first this time, since I usually make you all go first. I'm doing pretty well. I'm still walking. I'm following the customized training plan that coach twigs has laid out for me, which right now pretty much mirrors the, uh, the Galloway marathon running plan. Um, I'm up to 35 minutes of walking during the week. I did my three miles last weekend at what I call marathon walking pace, which for me is 15 minutes a mile. And, uh, during the week I walk a little faster. I I'm having a little trouble with the knee I had replaced with swelling, not so much with pain. It's a little uncomfortable, but it gets to swelling after walks. So what I'm going to end up doing is replacing one of my weekday walks with some aqua jogging. So that's my update. Alicia, how are you doing? I'm actually doing really well, Bob. Since I talked to you guys last, I've done, um, I think, three runs. And today I did a virtual 10K. Um, and my paces were all consistent. And so I felt really, really good. And so I'm very proud of myself up, for up getting to 10k out there. already. All right. Well, that's great. Yeah, Alicia. I I'm doing a training plan to do a marathon in around September. Um, so my my plan is a d- little bit different than everybody else's. Yeah. 
Yeah, September. If you got a marathon in September, it's going to sneak up on you pretty quick, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> it's only like eight or ten weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah depending on um, what it is. So the the six miles is one of my shorter runs right now. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it's going well. How about you, John? I'm taking it easy. You know, doing a lot doing a lot of walking still because, uh, like you, Baba. Uh, sometimes after uh, the runs, the knee swells up. Don't you know? Don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. We go to the ortho on Thursday, so we'll find out. It's like a checkup, so it's nothing out of out of the ordinary. But I'm just saying, let's just wait a little bit. You know, I got like you said, it's a long time till uh, marathon weekend in uh, Wine and Dine. Don't want to press it too early. No, you, your doc seems like he's been a lot of help to you too. Yeah, that's good. It's it's good to have somebody you can count on, and I've been lucky that way. Uh, Jack, how about you? Honestly, there hasn't been much going on. This past week has been a little bit harder for me because I have to wake up basically at 4.30 a.m. all week for work. So getting up earlier before to go run is <laughs> no. So I have to do it when I get home when it's really hot. So, um, yeah. Other than that, just, I don't know. It, it's weird because I feel like transitioning from training and doing hill workouts constantly um for training for an ultra is so different than just training for like a nice flat course (laughs) not a lot Um, of hills in orlando are there no i i actually kind of miss the hills i miss the hill workout i don't know why i'm crazy i guess (laughs) no no, I, i i don't but i hear what you're saying okay uh Allie, how about you my training's going great um, Monday is my long run day. So I did my four mile long run this past Monday and it was hot. I had to run in the afternoon. I, I just couldn't get it in in the morning before it was below 80 degrees. So I I kind of relied on three things. One is um, I did my run in the shade and the shade played a really important part in my long run plan because the sun just can add so much heat to to you. Good plan. Um, Yeah. And then, so even though it was 80 degrees, I was shaded and I didn't have that extra added layer of heat. And then the second is I slowed down and I used Jeff Galloway's reminder that you should slow down 30 seconds slower for every five degrees over 60 degrees. So I I took two minutes um, slower for my pace. And that that was really helpful because at the end, I, I definitely felt that I if I had gone faster, I would have had some like heat sickness going on. Um, And then third was I was scheduled to do a magic mile. And so now that I know that the magic half mile exists, I considered doing that. I did, I did text coach um, and he said, do it, actually do it on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday or Thursday when um, you're doing one of your slower or shorter runs um, and it's going to be cooler during the week. So, so we're going to do it, the magic mile then, but I had considered doing the magic half mile um, instead when it was cooler, but. Yeah, it was a real hot one in New Hampshire this weekend. Oh, yeah, it can get warm in New England. sure can. Uh, Greg, bring us home. Same sentiments as you, Allie. You know, here in Pennsylvania, things, you know, were cooking a lot. So I had, you know, I did my, you know, normal maintenance runs. And then this weekend I had five miles with a magic mile. Um, you know, and just like you, Allie, you know, because of the heat, you know, I heated Coach Twig's advice, as well as you know Jeff Galloway's advice from last you know episode, and I did the ha- the magic half mile. 
Now, I will say I always get a little hesitant doing the magic half mile because sometimes I feel like I can just pump out a little bit more. And even with that 19 second differential, I feel like sometimes it will give a, a, a false sense of my paces and then I usually struggle with them. So, but again, I knew with how hot it was that that is what I needed to do. So texted the uh, coach twigs, you know, with my magic half mile time, he said with the calculation, that's a two second improvement. I was like, okay, that's great. So nice. that's a whole new, yeah. got a yeah. whole new set of paces and everything like that. And had my first run uh, today, you know, using those new paces and even with the heat, because I think, when I started, it was 70 degrees. So in theory, I should have slowed down by a minute, but I was still able to hit the paces that Coach Twigs had assigned for me. So I was really happy about that. Um, on the docket for this weekend, I got a 10 miler because obviously I'm following the dopey training plan, but technically I need to get my training in for bird in hand, uh, you know, in the late summer so um you know that's why I'm, I'm building up to the half status right now but so far so good so excited to keep going with uh, week number two here so last time we did a marathon you guys gave some really good advice on the run disney motivational team zoom calls about what you can do um to sort of plan your runs around really hot weeks and i know bob you always give some really good advice on what to do if it's hot where you are me Ah, uh, well, I was going to. I, I thank you. I appreciate it, Ali. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but before we do, before we leave this little run around the room here, friends, that's what we're doing, and I just want you to know that we're going through what you're going through. You're going through what we're going through, and if anything we have or anything we say can help you with that, if nothing else. Just realize you're not alone. Now, Ali, thanks. Uh, I wanted to talk for a minute. In the first half of Jeff's interview, Lexi asked him a question, and it happened to be about the magic half mile. And Lexi asked, what, what Lexi was trying to ask, I'm going to put words in her mouth because she's not here, is, hey, Jeff, is there a temperature at which I should go from the magic mile to the magic half mile? And, and Jeff didn't really answer that. Jeff ended up saying, hey, there's no time adjustment for the heat for the magic half mile. I think the answer to Lexi's question, which is when should I go from the magic half, magic mile to the magic half mile is it's up to you. I am fond of saying if it's hot where you are and it feels hot to you, then it's hot. That's going to vary for all of us, depending on where we are and what we're acclimated to. Allie's spot on in Jeff's rule that says for every five degrees above 60, you should slow down 30 seconds per mile. Down here where I live, I'd have to run backwards <laughs> to make that, I think. <laughs> but uh, I, I get up in the morning and I describe it. I typically walk out. I don't go out the front door because I don't want to wake anybody up. I typically go out through the garage. When I let that garage door up, it's kind of like when you're opening the oven to see if the biscuits are done or not. That heat just blasts you in the face and it's hot, but we all acclimate to something different. Around here, the temperatures don't drop that much. I'm a quarter mile from the Gulf of Mexico. Gulf of Mexico, according to our local weatherman, is the hottest large body of water on the planet in the summertime. The uh, 
temperature in the Gulf right now, right off the beaches here, is a sultry 91 degrees. <laughs> if, you, if you want to contrast that, uh, Greg, John, you live up in the Northeast. Allie, you're up. I don't think the water ever gets warm enough. I don't to, think it ever does. When I was a little kid, it used to, you'd jump in and you'd be freezing. Yeah, we're we're lucky if the ocean temperature up here, you know, gets into the seventies. As my recollection of, of uh, growing up in that area, the ocean would get up into the seventies, usually in September, when everybody went back to school and was away from the beach. Then the, uh, the uh, water temperature would get to seventy, but that's seventy. It's ninety bleeping one over there, and what that means is I get up in the morning, and the low temperature tonight might be eighty one, eighty two. That's just the way it is. I'm not complaining about that. That's just the way it is. I. I read, I listen on Facebook, I listen on Zoom calls. People say it's hot. doesn't matter where they live. That's significant. One thing I see, though, somewhat, people will post and say, well, I got up this morning and the temperature was 75 and then the humidity was 81%. I want to talk a little bit about a different number. That 81% is the relative humidity. It's a ratio of how much moisture is in the air to how much moisture the air can hold. A much better number, one number, for you to use to gauge what it's going to feel like when you're out there running is the dew point. Bingo. The dew point. The dew point is an absolute measure of the amount of water vapor in the air. And you can look up charts, but basically it goes like this. If the dew point is below 65, for most of us, that's going to feel fairly comfortable. Now, for some folks, like if you live in the desert southwest, 65 is a crazy high number. But 60 to 65 generally is pretty comfortable. By 65, you're starting to feel the humidity. 70, it gets oppressive. And it gets above 75, it gets pretty tough. Uh, The dew point, in fact, here was 75 this morning. And there gets to be enough water vapor in the air that it does two things. The humidity, when there's that much water vapor in the air, you know, your body cools by perspiring. And then when that perspiration evaporates, it's a cooling feeling on your skin. Well, when there's so much water vapor in the air, that perspiration won't evaporate. So you have a hard time regulating body temperature. You have a hard time cooling off. The other thing is when it gets really high, 75, 76, 77, there's enough water vapor in the air that those H2O molecules are replacing O2 molecules that you're trying to breathe. And it becomes slightly, and I would emphasize slightly, like training at altitude. Now, it ain't like being in Colorado or anything like that, but it's, it becomes important enough, significant to the point that you can tell. You can tell that it's high, uh, a bit tougher to get the oxygen into your lungs. Why am I going on about this? Number one, dew point's a great number to look for. I'm pretty sure that if you use the default Apple weather app, it won't show you the dew point. You have to find another application. But uh, Weather Channel, I think, does it. Uh, I know the weather bug will give you the dew point. And I would encourage you to go ahead and look, see what the dew point is, and then see how it affects you on your run because knowledge is power. Uh, Knowing how the humidity is going to affect you 
will help you plan for your runs. What have we talked about here? What did Jeff talk about? What can you do when that dew point gets up? Well, one thing is you can't ignore the sun. The hot is still hot. So the radiant heat from the sun, Ali was talking about it earlier, I think. If you can get out of that and get into the shade, that's going to help you. Second, you do have to slow down. But the bottom line, and I hate to say it, is you got to keep going. Even if you have to walk, the training is so important that you got to kind of suffer through this. Now, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a reward to all this stuff. Let me tell you what. You're down here. You're used to running in dew points of 70, 75, 78. All of a sudden, that dew point hits 65. Man, you feel like you're powered by jet fuel. I'll tell you. It just feels great. So that's my lecture for, uh, for this episode. Are there any questions, students? Nope, nope, seeing none. All right, well, your assignment will be to uh, go ahead. I'm going to post an article. I'll, I'll send uh, Greg a link to this article. You can read about why the dew point is more important than the rel- relative humidity. That's what I was talking about, Bob. That's the information that's helpful. Now I know to do my run on Thursday with the magic mile instead of Wednesday because the dew point is above 65 on Wednesday and it's 55 on oh, Thursday. That's going to feel good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I was looking today, uh, the uh, Windows, my. Microsoft Windows desktop application in the lower left-hand corner has a weather button. And if I click it, I can actually bring up a map that shows dew points from throughout the U.S. And I was looking today. That's how I noticed that the dew point stayed at or above 75 till you got way up in the northeast. But uh, I think Las Vegas was 45 or something like that. And I will say when it comes to the dew point as well, you know, just as – you know, heat is relative to all of us across the country. The same can be said a little bit about dew point as well, too. I know, you know, watching our local weather forecast, you know, up here in the Northeast and the greater Philadelphia area, you know, Bob, those numbers that you talked about where, you know, once the dew point gets into like 65 or something like that, you know, is comfortable for you. Our local weather person labels that as, you know, teetering on oppressive, you know, at least yeah, you know, okay. for, for, for this part of the country. So again, it's one of right. those things that's relative, but obviously anything probably across the country, if you have a dew point that's less than 60 degrees, you're going to yeah. be pretty comfortable. Um, yeah. You know, but once you start creeping over 60, that's when things, at least I know the word that they use here that I absolutely love is things start to get sticky. Oh, they do. And, That's right. yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where and I absolutely agree with you a thousand percent. And honestly, when I look at my weather app before I go, I actually look at the dew point before I look at the temperature itself. Right. So it's it's really important to, to keep that in mind. Right. If I had just one number, that's that's what I would look for. Uh, they actually. Yeah, they talk dew points on the weather here. It was two years ago that the dew point in St. Petersburg, which is like five miles south of me, reached 80. 80. Wow. I didn't know it got that high, but uh, that's unusual. I hope that's helpful. Uh, And since it comes from a question that was answered by Jeff, I think now would be a good time to pick up on the second half of Jeff's interview. What's your favorite thing to eat during your long runs um, or a favorite pre-race meal or both? 
Well, pre-race is a different issue uh, because it takes about 36 hours for food to be digested, metabolized, delivered to the muscles and organs and be ready to be used during a long run or race. So it doesn't help you to cram in a lot of food the night before or the morning of a long run or a race. As a matter of fact, too much loading often leads to unloading during the run itself. And you know oh. that can be embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the thing to do is to practice eating the uh, day before and the night before and the morning before long runs. And you want to journal it and you want to find foods that uh, work and sustain your blood sugar level, but don't overload the system. And uh, you'll come up with a, a plan by race weekend that you can follow. Uh, and that's a strategic way to know what to eat, when to eat, because it's worked for you and you fine tuned it over the, the whole season. Uh, but on race morning, uh, my suggestions are as soon as you wake up, drink a glass of water or if you like coffee, if you're like me and like coffee, then drink a cup of coffee as <laughs> soon as you wake up. And then that's it before the start of the race. Uh, now, the only uh, exception is if, if you are dehydrated, let's say that you've been uh, doing things hot weather, you're, you're dehydrated, then you could drink small amounts of water throughout the morning. But you have to realize that the more you drink from the time you wake up, the more likelihood it will be that you'll have to take more potty stops during the race itself. And most people do fine with that one glass of water or the cup of coffee as soon as they wake up, because then you've got a chance to have your potty break before the start of the race. Now, in terms of eating, most folks that I've worked with have not needed to eat anything before the start of long runs or races. Uh, but if you are hypoglycemic or diabetic, you may need that. Uh, a little secret is that if you are low in blood sugar level, the best time frame to eat a snack would be within 30 minutes before the start of your long run or your race and 100 calories. And you can even eat sugar uh, when you do that. I've had a lot of diabetics that have cringed at that, but they tried it. Uh, the physiology on that and the biochem is that once you start running, you... Um, sort of diffuse the insulin response to sugar. And if you have some sugar in only 100 calories during the half hour before the start, it's very unlikely that you're going to get an insulin response because you start running and all that goes away. Um, so once you start, the rule of thumb that uh, has been based on research and practical experience is every two miles, two to four ounces of water and 30 to 40 calories of sugar. Uh, the bottom line is that you do need to have some water regularly coming in. So every two miles is the rule of thumb. 
Some need it a little more frequently. Some need it less frequently. And you'll find that out if you keep practicing on long runs. The 30 to 40 calories of sugar is based on the fact that the, the brain's only fuel is blood glucose. And if you don't keep propping it up during long runs, the blood glucose level is going to go down and the brain is going to start shutting things down. This is why uh, people feel so miserable and don't, don't want to continue at the end. They let their blood sugar level get way too low. Uh, so what should you use for sugar? Well, uh, try different things during your long runs, but it only needs to be sugar and sugar uh, in the form of gummy bears, lifesavers, even sugar cubes will get into the system very quickly. And that's what you want. And then the brain is happy and, and you're going to have fewer problems there. Uh, finally, uh, what is my choice? Well, when I uh, started running at the world class level, I looked around at aid stations and they were actually few and far between, but the smarter runners were able to get their own drinks out there on the course. And I realized they were drinking DeFizz Coca-Cola. So I started using it and it worked extremely well. DeFizz Coke, despite all of the commercial products, is still used by a high percentage of world-class athletes because it works better. And I wow. still use DeFizz Coca-Cola. Uh, I take a swig or two every mile or two. And uh, I love it. It's the only time that I drink a cola drink during the marathon. No, I remember, I remember getting DeFizz Coke for sure. Yeah, so we got we got that Coca Cola sponsorship coming through now. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. My grandparents had that Coca Cola syrup in the cabinet when I was a kid. Oh, you're not feeling good. Coca Cola syrup. It's medicinal, right? <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. So Casey and Sonia want to know. Do you follow a nutrition regimen during your training? Um, and what do you eat after to recover from the long runs or to recover from a race? Well, I definitely follow a nutritional regimen. It's the Barb Galloway program. Barb has been into healthy nutrition for exercise since we got married 46 years ago. And, and she not only... Has, puts together wonderful, healthy food, but it tastes good too. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, but it doesn't, we don't eat red meat. We never have. Um, we uh, do eat some chicken and fish. Uh, the chicken is chicken breast. Um, and we eat uh, primarily plant-based. Yay! Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's really wonderful to work with the seasonings that can make uh, vegetables taste so darn good. Mm -hmm. I think Casey will be happy with that answer because she is a plant-based athlete as well. The other aspect of your question was what to eat after a long run. And this has been very well established uh, through 75 years of research, uh, biochemistry research. And the bottom line is that there's a window of half an hour after you finish a long run to restock the muscle glycogen. 
And if you do have uh, an adequate amount of sugar intake, uh, buffered by a little bit of, uh, of protein, the uh, ratio is uh, 80% simple sugar and 20% protein. Uh, that has been the formula that has been shown to reload the muscle glycogen more quickly within half an hour of finishing long runs. Um, and there's a product that has that. It's called Endurox R4. So why doesn't anybody else have that? Well, because the company, Pacific Health Labs, got a, a patent on the 80-20 percentage. And, so, and it's a powder form, so it's really easy to use. You can put the amount of powder you want into a container, and then after you finish, you can even check your, uh, your water bottle with the powder in it. You can go to a cold water fountain, shake it up, and you're good to go. You can consume that 80-20% uh, right away. Now, the quantity, as identified by the research that your body can absorb within 30 minutes, is based on the distance that you cover. If it's four miles or less, 100 calories within 30 minutes. If the distance that you cover is 13 miles or more, then the calories are 300 calories. And if it's in between, then somewhere in between 100 and 300 calories. So you do this after every run, not just after the long runs, and you would just base it on how far you ran is how much you would then that is for recovery. Correct. For, for quicker recovery. And there's a, another major benefit. Uh, first of all, if you reload the muscle glycogen, then you're going to feel a little more bouncy and have more energy the next time you go out and run. But the other advantage is that your brain is monitoring whether you reload within 30 minutes because muscle glycogen is the brain's reserve fuel source. And it's constantly monitoring whether you're reloading. And if you don't reload within 30 minutes, the brain is going to push your hunger button. That's the reason why you oh. feel so hungry the next day after a long run or the next week, if you know what I mean. Yep, for sure. So switching gears from nutrition, um, let's talk about some of the mental aspects of running, um, especially running, um, well, any race uh, that you've never done before, any distance you've never done before. Two of our listeners, Kate and Jennifer, have asked, and I, I know I personally have this question too, <laughs> um, how do you overcome the mental walls that you hit on long runs? Um, they specifically said 10 to 12 miles seems to be pretty rough. Um, and how do you mentally prepare for a big race? And what do you do when your brain says, I can't? Okay, um... The I mentioned earlier that I do not like and I do not allow my coaching clients to race something for time, race any distance that they haven't run before. So uh, one of the things that uh, will allow you to avoid the wall, both mentally and physically, is to go beyond the distance that you're going to be running in the race in training, in your last training run. And in our programs, you'll see that uh, we bring people up to 
uh, usually 14 miles two weeks before a half marathon. And in the marathon, we go up to 26 miles so that everybody's had a chance to really go the distance. Now, quite honestly, that's not quite the truth. The, the truth is that because of the weaving that you do during races, particularly big races, uh, and the fact that the race director has to measure the courses by adding distance longer than the race distance actually is, you will be running farther than 13.1 and a half and more than 26.2 in the marathon. So it's always better to build up your last long run to more than the distance that you're going to be running in the race itself. And that lowers the number of negative messages. So this gets into how the brains operate. We have two brain operating systems that we use back and forth all day long every day. We have the ancient subconscious monkey brain, and we also have the human brain. Now, the ancient brain is more significant and substantial. It has a million times the processing capability compared with our poor little human brain. But the human brain is more powerful. And once we turn the human brain on, it overrides the monkey brain. And this is important for motivation because a lot of runners will just in races and in training runs go out and put one foot in front of the other. That tends to stimulate and turn on the monkey brain. And at first, it's okay. But as we continue to run longer and longer and the monkey brain is governing our running behavior, what will happen is as the stress builds up, the monkey brain will start secreting anxiety hormones. So we feel good at first and, and six, seven miles into the marathon, we're not as confident as we were before. And then by halfway, we are a little less confident. We have some anxiety about the, the second half. And, uh, and then as the distance continues and the heat builds up or the weather conditions get worse, uh, the monkey brain monitors all this stress. The more stress, the more anxiety hormones, and then the negative hormones start coming in and they can make you absolutely miserable. Now, the good news is you can do something about that. And the something you can do is to have a cognitive strategy. And I'm talking about uh, doing things that will activate the human brain. Mantras are the first line of defense. Uh, another line of defense that a lot of runners do, including Barb Galloway, is count steps. Yes, counting will turn on your human brain. And whenever you turn on your human brain, you will override the monkey brain and the hormones will not be produced. So by developing strategies, and you'll find a lot of these strategies in my book, Mental Training. Uh, when I was given the assignment to write the mental training book, I knew strategies that worked, but I didn't have a clue why they worked. So I spent six months researching what it was 
that went on in the brain when you ran. And it totally changed the way I look at all types of stress in running and in life itself with effective tools to be able to manage that stress and be able to do away with those negative hormones. So you uh, train yourself through the, the uh, long runs and if you have a time goal through the repetitions that you speed repetitions you're going to do. And at the same time that you're training yourself physically, you're also training yourself mentally and you use the tools, the cognitive tools that can keep the human brain operating and overriding the monkey brain and doing away with those negative hormones. Jeff, it sounds like I'm going to have to get that book because that sounds right up my alley. It's a breakthrough book. Yeah, yeah. I have a question about racing. So I have been enjoying long distance running, but I also have been enjoying the challenges at Disney because I get to do the 10K or the half beforehand. And that's something that I can work on my speed with. Do you have any suggestions for how someone can mentally prepare for racing a distance and how you get into that mindset about going fast? The two components in training that are going to help you go faster and also make you feel more confident. One is going longer on long runs. Uh, I mentioned that we have uh, long runs that build up to 29 miles before doing the marathon. And that bestows a whole lot of extra confidence going into the marathon and during the marathon. Uh, And even when you get really tired at the end of a marathon, you know you can finish because you've run 29 miles. 26 is not as bad. Um, The other component that prepares you both mentally and physically to keep going when you're tired uh, is the series of repetition workouts, because those are quite arduous towards the end of the program. Uh, And you're going to reach points in these long repetition workouts where You don't feel like you can finish the workout, but you find a way to do it. And that's exactly what the uh, goal fulfillment is all about in the half and the full marathon. But if you haven't gone through that experience in your training recently, then it's unlikely you're going to be able to tough it out towards the end of the half or the full marathon. So those two components, the uh, repetitions and the long runs, will prepare you mentally and physically in some amazing ways to be able to perform. But I can't emphasize enough the fact that you have got to use conservative run-walk-run strategies at the beginning of the race. and Don't uh, burn out. And Yes, that's exactly right. And if you are more conservative with your run-walk-run strategy at the beginning, then you're going to save resources that can be used at the end. And you can be the one that's passing people at the end. And there's nothing more empowering in life than passing people at the end of a race. Feels good. So I have a question. uh, And also, uh, listener Natalie also wanted to talk about this too. I know my experience from this past year's marathon is I developed a little bit of mental anxiety because those first three miles of the marathon course were quite compact because you know you're doing all of those 
on-ramps and off-ramps at Epcot. And I know they pushed this out a little bit quicker this past year because of the heat and everything like that. And there was a lot of overcrowding on that course. Um, you know, and at times it makes it difficult, you know, for th those of us that are using your method, you know, to do the intervals. What strategies do you have, you know, because we know over time things are going to thin out and you're going to have more room, you know, to be able to do your intervals. But when you have that congestion, when you have that crowding early on in the race, how should you not only physically handle your intervals, but mentally also handle them as well? The best way to do that is to line up in your corral at the back of the corral. Walk slowly to the start, realizing that your race time-wise does not begin until you cross the starting line. So wait a little bit so that the runners ahead of you in your corral will sort of thin themselves out. And they're not going to do it completely, but they'll do it significantly so that you're going to have a whole lot more freedom during those first three miles if you'll do that. Jeff, here's one I get all the time. When does this get easier? Huh. Well, <laughs> it depends on what you're putting on yourself. Most people who, um, you know, uh, find difficulty in running put that difficulty on themselves. As soon as they reach a certain goal, they start shooting for a goal that's even more ambitious. So it doesn't tend to ever get easy. But, you know... Once you get into distance running, if it were too easy, we wouldn't be doing this because it really gets in your system. You, you look for that, that fiber that you're pushing yourself up against in terms of the challenge of that event. And you are in this in order to have a sense of achievement you don't get in anything else in life. And it, 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 it won't be easy to be able to get that sense of achievement. Right, right. Yeah, I, I get that. I share with some folks, it's not necessarily that it gets easier, but later on in the training, when you look at the schedule and you go, oh, good, I only have seven miles this weekend, then you know you're on the right track. That, that's a good point. And the other point is that going back to the concept that you can even walk the long runs, Adjust your run-walk run as the miles get longer in these long runs so that the run-walk run is more gentle. And uh, you will be able to, uh, to find some run-walk run that will work. So we're coming up to the end of our questions um, that were submitted by our listeners. And I know all of us here, and I would say m most of our listeners – love the Galloway method, follow it to a T. But as far as the people in our lives or um, people we might come in contact with who say, if you walked, oh, you really didn't do a marathon. How do you respond to those type of questions? Because like we know, yeah, of course we did it. But what, what is your go-to response of you know, oh, well, you walk some. Yeah, it's not a real marathon. Well, first of all, um, they are wrong about how the heritage of the marathon evolved. I have been over and run the original course marathon 
from Marathon, Greece to Athens, Greece, 19 different times. And early on, visited the National Museum in Greece, in downtown Athens, and there was a, a clipping from the Athens newspaper that was a write-up on the original marathon race in history. It was in the 1896 Olympics, and uh, a reporter followed the runners in a horse-drawn cart. Uh, so that was the first press vehicle. Uh, <laughs> I had to bring over our guide to translate the article. And the most interesting statement to me was the statement that this reporter said that every single one of those competitors walked significant parts of the marathon. Walking was done in the marathon from the very first day of our sport. And if that person says, that you, if you didn't uh, run the whole way, then you're not a marathoner, then none of our original marathoners that founded our sport were marathoners. <laughs> <laughs> were. Uh, the, the other thing that I, I, I uh, ask, actually, someone who would say something like that uh, is... Um, Oh, so there's a rule book. Could you please show me the rule book that says that you're not supposed to walk? The fact is that the thing that attracts most people to running is that there is not a rule book, that we determine our rules. We have the ability to be the captains of our running ship, and it's an empowering thing to be able to do that. And... Um, I certainly uh, would follow up uh, when somebody would say that to me. Nobody says that to me anymore, but they did uh, 20 years ago. And the final thing that I would say is, uh, you know, you have every right to say that for me, if I walk, I don't believe that I've run a marathon. But you have absolutely no right to tell anybody else that because we are the captains of our running ship. There you go. I love How's that, that Lex? I love that. that was good? great. All right. All right, Jeff. We have come up with a new tradition at the end of these interviews. And our friend Allie has a series of rapid fire questions. And if you're game, I know she's got some just for you. Okay. Well, I'm ready. All right. First question red, yellow, or blue Powerade? <laughs> um, none of the above i know really <laughs> good good answer a favorite time of day to run early in the morning favorite disney snack oh my gosh um i guess the rice crispy uh type of uh, treat oh yeah <laughs> um expo chats with runners or race day chats with runners um expo chats actually although the thing that uh, that's not true, uh, the, the thing that detracts from the race day is that now I'm a character stop up there. Yeah. don't have enough time when they come by right. and I stay there and linger for a while. But I do love the expo chats. Favorite cross-training activity? I have two. Um, I have an elliptigo machine on um, a trainer, which I love. And I also have a 
rower machine. I love both of them and I do my cross training every other day and then run the other day. Hills or drills? Oh my gosh. The drills uh, end up being one of the most powerful things you can do, the cadence drill and the acceleration drill. But uh, hills develop leg strength better than anything else. So they have different functions. Which is your favorite to do? Like if you're going out that day and you're like, oh, I like this one better, or is it just even, even Steven? Well, I like the drills. Uh, quite honestly, uh, since my heart attack a year ago, I uh, did lose a lot of muscle mass and I've been slowly building it back and hills do that better than anything else. So uh, the hills are sort of like medicine for me, but they really do work. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite Disney park? Um, Epcot. Although I will tell you that, uh, that recently uh, it is Hollywood Studios. Uh, I love the uh, rock and roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Um, favorite thing about running? It's the mental benefits that you get. The, the, it's well documented that you turn on the brain circuit for a better attitude, for more vitality, and for personal empowerment better than any other activity that's ever been studied. Okay, and then least favorite thing about running? Puking. Um, <laughs> I haven't done that much in, in the last... 30 years. Uh, but that, that, those moments were my worst moments in running. I love that you, you both, you and Chris Twiggs just say like, we do not recommend puking. So anytime you can avoid that, don't do it in your training. That's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Last question. Being an Olympian or being on our podcast? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> different, no pressure, no pressure. Uh, different uh, benefits and, and there are different reasons why I like both both of them. Yeah, <laughs> I like that answer. Very diplomatic. Yeah. Yes, You're absolutely. an awesome guest. Yeah. I was going to give you a pass on that, but, uh, but that's a good answer. Appreciate Jeff. that. That's a yeah. good answer. Speaking of appreciate, we can't tell you. We, we just can't tell you how much we appreciate what you've done here with us. Before we let you go, I want to talk about some things that are near and dear to my heart, and I suspect they are near and dear to yours also. And let's start with one that's ongoing, been going on for, I think, since almost beginning of the year, the Fidipides Challenge. How's that going, Jeff? Oh, that is really uh, a wonderful project. It is a virtual run over the route that Fidipides ran, 327 miles uh, you can take as many days as you want to. There is no uh, termination date of this. And along the way, my son Brennan is the techie in our family. Uh, he has developed the unlocking as you log in your miles. It tells you where you are on the course with historical information, stories about things that went on there in Fidipides' time. And I recorded a podcast that um, has interaction among the messenger runners who were running with Fidipides along the way. It's really a neat project and uh, keeps you motivated in between races. What's that, the heterodromi? Is that, am I saying that right? Hemorodromi. Hemorodromi, okay. Yes, those are the okay. all-day runners. Let me tell you, friends, that's a neat thing. I 
I'm into it now. I'm only about halfway through it, Jeff. I haven't been able to get out there, but I'm getting back now. Uh, it's a neat thing. The recordings are cool. Nice looking shirt. Great looking metal. Still time to sign up for that. And heck, you're out there running the miles anyway in your training. Uh, maybe you get a little something extra out of it. Well, the extra that you get is is the history because our sport is by far the oldest sport in the world, but it's directly tied into the development of democracy. And uh, the story that storyline that you will hear in the podcast is how the messenger runners had a role in the development of democracy. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it a lot. It's very, very well done. Highly recommended. Uh, what's new with Club Jeff? We are just working on the year two of things that we will be doing. Uh, continuing will be the individual consultations with me, one-on-one uh, -on -one time, Zoom time, to go over how your running's going and uh, what questions you have. But we have some other things on the table that we will be divulging soon. So without uh, divulging all those things, stick I look around. Forward to, I look forward to learning them. I'm, I'm a charter member, as you know, yes. and uh, I, I look forward to the one-on-ones the or the one-on, if not one-on-one, -on -one, at least one-on small group uh, activities with Club Jeff Highly Worthwhile. The You Can Do It podcast. I listened to that for a while, and then I think it went away for a little bit, but it's back now, isn't it? It is back. Uh, it is uh, not done regularly. My son Weston is the one that produces that, and uh, it, it never was designed to be done uh, on a certain schedule. It has special, it's sort of like special events. We uh, pick a, a given uh, aspect of inspirational story, inspirational person, uh, and tell the story behind the story. You had our buddy, uh, Brittany Charbonneau on not long ago, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah she's a, she's, she's a, great. she's a good friend of the podcast here. She's a real trip. Really enjoy she speaking is. with her. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up, we've moved the JG 13.1, the Jeff Galloway race weekend. We've moved it from December until March. I'm happy to see that. I got to let you know. But uh, I've, I've been pushing folks to get up there in Atlanta. It's kind of like a homecoming. But uh, anything you want to talk about the Jeff Galloway race weekend? We have great uh, reviews on the change of date. Uh, December is really a tough time. And we were bumping up against the holidays at the end of the month. And uh, now we don't have that. And the Atlanta is a beautiful city, but it's even more beautiful as the spring blossoms come out, which we're going to have in mid-March. And uh, it, we also have some, uh, some new aspects of the weekend that uh, we are concocting now. So I look forward to divulging those in, in a few months. Yeah, it's a great weekend, folks. I've been to, this will be my fourth. I've actually done them all, Jeff, although I've done a good number of them virtually which is also an option if you can't get to Atlanta in March to run that virtually. Pretty good medals, aren't they? Oh yeah. Really cool. It is just, it's just a good weekend. I get to meet a lot of friends. I uh, get to spend some time with you and I just look forward to it. So I encourage you if you're out there, 
if you can get to Atlanta in March, come on by and join us at the JG 13.1. The people that use our method are really warm and, and just supportive, positive people. And I see them constantly. But the one time when we get together is during our weekend. And now it's in March. And I, I just, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a wonderful community, a wonderful family. And I'm just happy to be part of it. Thank you. Well, speaking of warm and supportive, I think I can say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here, we want to thank you for for being so warm and supportive of not only our podcast and, and coming on and chatting with us, but also just what you've done for the Run Disney community, what you've done for the running community. I know, Greg, I'm sure you probably don't remember this, but I mean, I, I had a moment with you blubbering my eyes out at, at the end of the marathon right before I crossed the finish line that I know you've changed my life and I know you've changed the lives of, of everyone on this podcast and in this community because you, you have a gift that, you know, for those of us that love running or, you know, didn't even love running, you know, you know, years ago and got into it, you've provided us a gift and there, I I know I'm trying to formulate the words right now, but I, I just know that you are such a gem and an angel and a, a, such an inspiration to so many of us. And from the bottom of my heart and, and, and the rest of our co-hosts here, we just want to thank you so much for doing, you know, for being you continuing to do what you do and inspiring, you know, so many in this community. So th- thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Really. Thank you. I remember that moment very well, uh, near the finish line. And, uh, I treasure that. And the, the um, offer continues. I'm here to help each one of you. So don't hesitate to let me know if you have questions that pop up that you can't get answers on. My direct email address is jfg at jeffgalloway.com. I'm there to help. Well, that's why you're a class act. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure to speak with Mr. Galloway. Always. Just an outstanding individual. I tell you before every Run Disney event, and I will continue to tell you before every Run Disney event, make time to visit with Jeff at the Expo. I promise you will not regret it. And let me add one more thing. Now, Jeff talked about a little bit, and I think many of you know this, but I got a feeling some don't, that despite being in superb physical condition, despite taking care of himself and eating right and all that, in 2021, Jeff suffered a serious heart attack. When I say serious heart attack, at one point, he was in cardiac arrest. And he was just fortunate that he was in the hospital when that happened. He was in the hospital for a visit. Uh, he He was not admitted at that time. And uh, he went into cardiac arrest. And then, of course, he came back and finished the Peachtree 10K that same year. So when when I start feeling sorry for myself about having to survive a couple of surgeries and get back to running, I think, yeah, but my mentor and hero, he died and he keeps running. So what excuse do I have? Uh, 
uh, he's he's quite an individual. And again, take every chance you get to meet and talk with him. You won't regret it. Uh, let's take a look, my friends. What do we have coming up? We still want to talk about your favorite or your proposed run Disney race themes. I've got I've got the list for those of you who sent some in to us. We're going to talk about those one of these days. We just uh, haven't gotten around to it. Other things have taken a front seat, and we've had to put that one off a little bit. In our next couple of shows, we're back to talking with our friends, Pamela, Cindy, and Kristen, the Council of Costumes will make their debut next week. I'm excited about that. They're a fun group. Actually, I haven't actually talked to Cindy before, but Pamela and Kristen have been on prior episodes. Speaking of fun groups, the Run Dopey group comes the week after that. Uh, That promises to be a lot of fun. And then Lisa, the castle runner, is with us to round out the month of July. Well, that's what's coming up. But now... It's time for the race report. We have a long race report today, and that's because of the holiday weekends, Canada Day and Independence Day. So let's start off in Boston, Massachusetts, the BAA 10K. Justin ran up there. Justin said it was hot and humid, but he got it done. Now, like I said, if it's hot where you are, it's hot, and it can get hot in Boston. So I imagine that was a warm one. John, how warm was it for the Brookdale ShopRite Tom Fleming Sunset Classic 5-Miler? Okay, so it ran Thursday night. It was 86 degrees at the start with a 59-degree dew point. So uh, That's, you know, that's not too bad. It was hot. It's still 86. It's, you know, you can't get around the fact that it's still 86. But 86 with a 59 is a lot better than 86 with a 79. Oh, yes. Yeah, so. Tough. Yeah, it was it was hot, it, you know, but it's it was fun. That photo your wife posted of you it looked like you were flying. I know. I don't know, yeah. what, I don't, I don't know what she got. I, I, I need <laughs> I need more of those photos. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't see John's Facebook photo, he was moving so fast that the background blurred in the photograph. So my face flying. was in focus, though. <laughs> he was flying, baby. I, I um, wish I was. I wish I was flying, but it was it was it was good. So actually this race actually goes by my house twice. So oh. uh I have I have two extra rest stops and uh water water spots <laughs> if oh, if that's needed. Great. Hey, I <laughs> was nice. I was nice, yeah. So you were running Thursday, so was Lori. Lori was running Thursday and Friday. Lori was running the epic Canadian weekend as part of the Canada Day celebration in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. She ran a six point one kilometer race on Thursday. And then a 10K and a 5K on Saturday. Add them all up. That's 21.1. That's a half marathon. She put some nice photos up. Uh, I saw a picture of the queen there. The queen was looking nice, looking kind of spry for 96, sitting in a rocking chair, sitting there next to some hockey players. I don't know that the queen should be sitting next to hockey players, but she was. But Lori had some great photos there. It looked like fun. Tara, Tara ran a local 5K on Canada Today with her husband. She put some nice pictures up. Uh, looked like... The, looked like the weather cooperated. I'm sure it was warm, and there were some nice medals there. The Canada Day Run 5K, day spelled D-apostrophe-E-H, uh, took place in Amherstburg, Ontario. Our buddy Joy ran it, but Joy ran it virtually. Apparently, Joy lives a pretty good distance away from 
Amherstburg, so she opted for the virtual option on that one. July 2nd now, the Nacogdoches United Run 5K in Nacogdoches, Texas. Uh, Sherry ran that with her daughter. It was her daughter's first 5K, first That's race. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. We've got a couple of those, I think, as we go down the list here. The uh, On July 2nd, the Land We Love Run 10K in Barrington, Illinois. And then July 3rd, the Frontier, the Frontier Days Stampede Run 5K in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Mark finished both of those, put some nice pictures up. Also on the 4th of July, our buddy Joe, this time in Greenwood, Arkansas, ran the Freedom Fest 5K. I saw some pictures Joe put up. He was dressed for the occasion. And yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And he finished second in his age group, which is always cool. I, I like the fact that they have age groups for older runners like that. And Joe usually does well. On the 4th in Claremont, Florida, our buddy Margaret and her husband ran the Freedom Run 5K. And oh, by the way, as a new feature on the race report, Margaret's with us this evening. Hiya, Margaret. How you doing? Hi, hi guys. We're doing good. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being our test case here. And let's see how this works out for talking with uh, our Rise and Run runners. Um Margaret, you're over in Central Florida, real close to Disney, right? Yes, I am in Winter Garden, 11 miles uh, behind Cinderella's Castle. You don't ever see Cinderella driving to work, do you? You know, the pumpkin and all that? No? Okay. No. (laughs) Hey, Margaret, uh, I usually ask guests, uh, first time on the Rise and Run podcast, how'd you get started in running? What's your running story? Uh, So about 10 years ago, I started running kind of more casually, just doing some random 5Ks. And my good friend, Nikki, who's an avid runner and um, had done several Disney races, she talked me into signing up for a Disney race. Now, up through this point, I had volunteered at uh, several Disney race weekends only during the expo. And I was a big Disney fan. But I was like, who wants to get up basically in the middle of the night to run? (laughs) Who wants to to Um, rise and run? Is that what you're asking? Right. (laughs) I later found out, but um, in 2015, um, the Walt Disney World uh, Marathon Weekend 5K was my first Disney race, and it was also the first time I ran a mile straight through, so that just really felt amazing and was so special. Uh, Then I also ran Princess 10K that same year, and I absolutely loved the vibe of dressing up and running through the parks, and I was just really hooked at that point. Neat. Neat. Uh, yeah, I notice you do a great job with your costumes. Where do you get the ideas for your costumes? Uh, a lot of times they just kind of come to me. Like whenever we get the theme for the race or the location for the race or like the 10 miler was at Hollywood Studios. And I know it was the Tower of Terror 10 miler, but my mind went to Hollywood Studios and I'm thinking like vintage mini. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I would love to do vintage mini because I love to dress up as mini. So and actually, it's more so the steamboat version of mini. Okay. I, you do a great job putting pictures on Facebook. Um, I think my favorite outfit was the blueberry run. I mean, would it insult you if I said you looked like a blueberry? No, no, no. I think that was the objective. I think that's what you were going that for. That's the point, yes. Especially with the wig. It was cute. It did a good job with that. Um, 
And, in you. fact, you know, you, you stay really active. We're always teasing our buddy Joe, who I just talked about over in Arkansas, that you're after his record for the most races per year. Any idea how many runs you do in a year? Typically, it's been at least 15-ish around there. But uh, this year, I am going uh, much higher. I've already yeah. run 23 races, and wow, I have wow, at least wow. 40 on my schedule. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that's insane. That's, oh, my that's gosh. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> And it's the thing that surprises me is they're kind of tough to find in your area right now. It's too hot here. Right now they are, yes. Um, come fall and spring, um, we do have a lot of race organizations that put up a lot of great races around here. And sometimes it's a matter of like picking which one I want to do. Well, you, you just finished one on the 4th of July. Tell us about that one. Sure. So that was my first time running with Flow Dash, which is one of the local race organizations around here. I had always seen their races. I wanted to do one. And so I skipped out on a different one that I normally do during 4th of July and went for that one. Um, it was very festive and very fun. They had a lot of entertainment along the course, um, DJs and inflatables and all to keep you entertained. And it's in Claremont. So it is a bit hilly. Part of the course is hilly because Claremont actually has some hills, but then part of the course also runs across uh, the big lake. So there is a lot of beautiful scenery to see along the way. Um, for Florida in the summer, of course, it was hot. So there was that to contend with, but I normally run in the heat anyways. I like to run in the middle of the day. So I do. I am a bit more accustomed to that. Um, I did have a full wig on though, and a uh -huh. hat, and uh -huh. that does cause some overheating of the head. So I did have to slow it down a bit, um, but that's just what you do. You have to put ice under your wigs, I think, or something. Yeah, put I'll have to try there. that next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try that next time, yeah. This one was a longer wig, so there was no way of, like, really picking it up. You you um, won a costume award on this one, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, there was um, a local organization that hosts a few of the contests there, so I won Best Female Costume. Uh, you look good. That, yeah, you do a good job with those. I think that's really cool. I pretty sure you're training for dopey right i am yes training for dopey for the second time the second time is that your next race at disney i'm, I'm doing wine and dine so i'm doing all three races one and dine weekend we will see you there so since you love costumes so much do you know what you're gonna do for dopey yet yes and i have some <laughs> that are pretty set down but are you are you ready and prepared to reveal any or no? <laughs> sure um so for the 5K, I and I've had this in my mind floating around for some time, I want to do a huge version of Pluto. So basically, like, my whole body as Pluto's head, where, like, my arms would be his ears, and I think that would be fun. And then since it's 90s, I'm going to try to incorporate the retro aspect in it, too. Oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> Outstanding. We'll be looking Thank forward you. to that. That's great. Well, Margaret, this has been fun. This is exactly what we were looking for on this segment. Now, as you may know, we've established a little tradition here. Allie always has her questions for the end of the interview. Allie, you're up. All right. If you're game, I'd like to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. Sure. Okay. What is your favorite Run Disney weekend? I thought it was Princess Weekend because I love to dress up as Princess, but this last marathon weekend, I absolutely had a blast. So I'm going to go with marathon weekend. 
Okay. Um, do you wear a backpack or do you rely on like core support? Uh, core support. I like to run as light as possible. I was going to, my question originally was, do you run freely? But you have so much going on with costumes that I'm sure <laughs> you're not quite free running, but. Yeah. And at times, um, so it depends if I want to, you know, carry props or I usually have like something on my head, a head piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I do have some stuff going on with that, but I am also very conscious of the distance. So as we get the longer ones, I try to figure out ways of making my costume elaborate, but yet very. Maybe like, has like, pockets. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. And I always do run with, um, shorts with pockets cause I do like to put my phone in there so I don't have to hold it. And like my, um, and when I say I rely on race support, I do, but I do take some extra cliff blocks with me along mm-hmm. the way, especially for the longer distances. For sure. Um, and then my last question is, what is your favorite park to eat in? Hmm, favorite park to eat in? Epcot. Yeah, that's a good one. Good answer. Good answer. Margaret, this has been wonderful. Thank you for taking a little time to join us. You've put this uh, new idea off on a perfect track, and we appreciate you. And we look forward to seeing you in November. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Margaret, that was fun. Uh, thank you for doing that. And next week, Lori's going to be with us from Nova Scotia. So we're looking forward to that. A side note here, my friends, this is going to be a regular feature. We'd been talking about this for a while, but we want to add it now that we're going to pick folks who did a run during the week and just spend five or 10 minutes chatting with you. If you want to be involved, all you need to do is to put your name into our running this weekend file. Those files are on all of our Facebook pages. They're pinned to the top of all of our Facebook pages. Put your name in there and then uh, I'll contact you and we'll chat for a little bit. We think this is going to be something we're really going to enjoy. All right, let's get back to the report. The biggie on July 4th, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta, Georgia. Friends, if you haven't done this one, this needs to be on your bucket list. 50,000 runners on stinking hot, humid, hilly Atlanta, but by golly, it's fun. Uh, Jennifer, we had several runners. Jennifer ran. Jennifer finished with a sub-45 time. Wow. In that weather Ooh, on those hills insane, and in, in those man. crowds, she was in Corral A. Nonetheless, you've still got big crowds. Um, and she, they gave her a, a uh, looks like a Tervis glass for being a top 1,000 finisher. Uh, they, I think the numbers are like 50,000 runners on that thing. I ran it in 19, golly, 1990, 91. I don't recall, but I ran it a while ago. A different course. Uh, but I remember it being super hot, so hot, so many runners that the runners generate their own heat. And I was happy to be six and a half feet tall so I could keep my head up above everybody else and breathe fresh air. Made a difference. Uh, Lexi ran it. Lexi put that report up on Passport to Run on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. You heard of it. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And uh, according to Lexi, it was hot. I believe yes. she, if you watch the video, I believe she mentions that two or three times, I think, that it's hot. Uh, Joe and Allie, who ran husband and wife, finished their sixth running 
Sixth time they've run the Peachtree Road Race. And then Matt did it with his 14-year-old daughter, Kessler. So congratulations. We may have had others. It's a big race, but those are the names. If I'm, if you did it and I missed you, I'm sorry. Those are the names that I had. Also, shout out to, uh, I know he's big on Instagram in the Run Disney community, Runs the Small World. He was, I believe, in Corral A. He ran that entire race in a bald eagle costume. Oh, jeez. That's think, awesome. <laughs> and I think he said something along the lines of this was like the first time he ever regretted wearing a costume like that oh, for bet. a race like this. But yeah. still crushed that. I think he was like racing alongside Chris Galloway for a little bit and stuff like that. So Yes, uh, I saw the pictures. Yes, yeah, sure so did. that yeah. So, you know, I mean, talk about somebody taking that run Disney mentality to all races that you go to, and that what a choice to go full bald eagle uh, during Very nice. Race. Very nice. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm still on the 4th of July now. The American four-miler in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kristen, I didn't see a report from Kristen, so I assume she had a good time there. The 13th annual Independence 5K in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Christina and Troy ran that. Troy uh, commented at a hot day. He had a great finish time. Troy finished that 5K in less than 27 minutes. I think that's impressive because I promise you Myrtle Beach was also hot and humid. Probably had a high dew point on, uh, on the 4th of July. In uh, Cranberry Lake, New York, the Firecracker 5K. Amy, I didn't see anything from Amy, and Amy normally posts results, so I hope everything was okay there. We'll probably hear from her shortly. Uh, Liz had two runs that she had herself down for, the Deltaville 5K and Kids Fun Run in Deltaville, Virginia, the Yorktown Independence Day 8K Run Walk in Yorktown, Virginia. Again, I didn't see a report from Liz, nor did I see a report from Tara, who had four on the fourth in Towson, Maryland. Now, I did see a report on the Great Buffalo Chase 5K at the Buffalo Trace Distillery in, it's in Kentucky. I don't, I'm not sure what city the Buffalo Trace Distillery is. I was going to say, Bob, this sounds like a race that's right up your alley. It is. Mm-hmm. I've been to the Buffalo, Buffalo Trace Distillery several times. Beautiful. I'll call it a campus. I don't think distilleries really have campuses, but. Beautiful layout there. Just a pretty, most of the distilleries in Kentucky are in pretty places because most of them are located near their source of water. So they're off the beaten path and they tend to be very pretty in the hills of Kentucky. So she did that one. Let's see. I didn't say who it was yet. Andrea. Andrea ran that one. She ran it with Madison. Madison, her daughter, this was her first race. She finished third in her age group. That's amazing. Of eight, eight and under. They had an eight and under age group. That's pretty cool, huh? Um, Andrea commented that there's decent prize money at that race, and she put the numbers in Facebook. So it attracts some of the top runners from the local area. You get to see, She said you get to see them running back the other direction and see how fast they're going. I saw this post today, the Run for Hunger 5K in Elk Grove, California. Our friends Carrie and Frank both did a great job. Carrie finished about 10 minutes faster than what she was projecting to finish, and Frank ran sub 30. I don't get to see. We saw Frank and Carrie, golly, the 2019 Dopey, I think it might have been. But I noticed that they said they're talking about coming to Dopey in 24, 2024. 
So I look forward to that nice folks. And I look forward to seeing them again. Team Woody was rolling on the 4th of July at the 2022 Brander Mill, Virginia, 7.4 kilometer event. I was trying to think, now, why would you have a 7.4 kilometer event? And it's the 4th of July, so 7.4. Okay, I get it. Um, Team Woody is, uh, Woody's in a uh, racing chair and Kim pushes him. I think she may have had some help this time. Kim was with us. You may remember on episode 11, Kim was there talking about Ainsley's Angels. And the last one I've got on the list, the Greenville Firecracker 5K. Allison got a PR despite the heat and the humid conditions in Greenville, Texan, Texas. Good job, Allison. Boy, that was, once again, I'm tired from just sitting here reading all that off. So all you folks who got out there and ran on the 4th of July, good on you. Well done. Congratulations. Um, kind of a light schedule coming up next weekend. On July 9th, which is Saturday, our buddy Joe and the Western Arkansas's Western Arkansas runners are putting or well, Joe's going to be participating in the Brent Morrison Memorial Run in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And uh, Joe sent me a text about that run. Kind of a, it, not kind of. It's a sad story. Brent was a forty-four-year-old uh, man who was out running and was at random shot and killed back in two thousand fifteen. So mm-hmm. they put on a memorial run for him. This would be the I, I don't know how many this is. I know it's been seven years since twenty fifteen. I don't know if they started it right away or not, but they've got that. Uh, our buddy, Margaret, who we were just talking to, she's running again this weekend because she can't let Joe get ahead of her. Margaret is running the second event in that summer morning series, S-O-M-M-E-R. It's the summer salute, S-U-M-M-E-R, in Claremont, Florida. And as I mentioned earlier, Lori is running the Popsicle 5K in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And Lori will be with us next week to tell us all about the Popsicle 5K. Hey, gang, special birthday this Saturday, July 9th. Anybody know whose birthday it is on Saturday? Nobody here. It's not not one of us. It's the guy we just got done talking with, Jeff Galloway. Jeff Galloway's birthday is July 9th. Happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hey, you know, we normally start the show by me asking John if, we have any new reviews, but like, we're going to end the show this week with me asking John, Hey John, we have any new reviews? Yes, we do. From TLF 2018. Love this show. I'm so thrilled. I found this podcast through all the guest speakers. I've gained a lot of knowledge and constantly in excitement mode for dopey 2023. When I'm listening, you guys are the best and look forward to now to Thursday for a new show each week. This has been my first podcast to binge and enjoyed nice. all the moments. Nice. Thank you very wow, much. We're, we're bingeable just like Stranger Things. Isn't that great, guys? <laughs> that's a, that, you know, that's noteworthy. And that is nice. Thank you very, very much. Uh, did you have another one, John? I got, I got one short one and a nice one. So I'll go with the short one. Well, they're, all, they're all nice. But this one, I'll go. It's a short one. Great show for Galloway Runners. This is from the Foolish, foolish Soul. This is a great show 
with a focus on run Disney races. And then the last one, supportive and informative run Disney podcast. Great Jeff Galloway information. Alicia training for princess found this podcast by searching for run Disney podcasts on Apple podcast. So we are showing up on a search. Oh, that's good. That's thank thank God. Thank you for telling us. That's good to know. We appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. We were very nervous on that one. I'm catching up on all the episodes. I loved every episode so far. I especially found the episode with Jeff and Chris super informative. I'm a member of customized training, but didn't understand the purpose of some of the drills till I listened to these episodes. I love this group of people who make me feel like one of the community and are not all pretentious. Thank you for helping creating a supportive and fun run Disney community. Hope to meet some of you when I run the 2023 fairy tale challenge. Well, I, you better count on it because we're going to be looking for you too. I promise. That's one of the highlights of being down there for me is, is meeting new friends. I, Wanted to talk about one more. This was not a review, but we had an, a really lovely Facebook post from Sarah. And she, I don't have it in front of me right here, but I wanted to talk about it for a minute. And what basically what Sarah said was that she was coming down to Disney to do a run by herself. And she thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm running by myself. Wait a minute. I have all these friends from the Rise and Run podcast who will be there. And I can find them and I'll have friends that are there. Sarah, you have just about encapsulated. I'll, I'll speak for myself and I, but I'll let the rest of the gang throw their comments in. Also, you've just about encapsulated what I truly love about all of this. I think about the fact that these folks here that I'm with tonight, these five people, because Lexi's not here. We may sound as though we've known each other for years, that we grew up together. But the truth is, we met just like we've now met you on the Facebook page. We eventually met each other at Disney World, but it took a while before that happened. And we felt like we were friends before we actually shook hands. And it's just so important to me that. I, it's what keeps me going. I'll tell you, it's what keeps me motivated and what keeps me out there on these days when the dew points get into the high seventies. So thank you for that. And yeah, you're right. You do have friends you can look forward to seeing when you get down there because we look forward to seeing you too. And I like that Sarah said that she wouldn't judge me if I was eating tube dole whips at once. That's a true friend. So we're already bonded, Sarah. And at this rate, Alicia, you better pick up some extra shifts at work because that margarita bill is just going to start getting higher and higher and higher. And the fact that you're going to be treating again. You you're know, so I'll generous. <laughs> <laughs> Always so generous. And, you know, we pick, I, I picked that Sarah because she made that lovely post. That's the way I feel about all of you guys, all of you folks who are listening. That, those of you I know. And those of you I have yet to meet, I still feel like I know you because we have this big common bond. We have this same attitude and this same desire. And I just, I look forward to many, many meeting, many, many new friends. Okay, my friends, 
that wraps up episode 39 of the Rise and Run podcast. We're, we're trying to make them a little longer as those training runs get longer. I don't think we're ever going to get them out to two and three hours, but we hope you're enjoying them. I promise you we enjoy recording them for you. We look forward to Tuesday nights. I hope you look forward to Thursdays when the recordings drop. Okay, stick with your training. It's important. Training, training, training. It's going to make the weekend that much more fun, the weekend in November and the weekend in January. All right, get out there. Do it till we get a chance to speak again. Happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer. <laughs>